1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify or the appropriate DAP for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast.
0: Blue Iron.
2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? I
3: am frustrated.
2: Yes, very frustrating game. Nets losing Washington 113, 107. And to make things even worse, Kyrie Irving got injured in this game. They're calling in a knee sprain. We don't really have any details at this point, fresh after the game. But before we get into a cooker mind, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, what went wrong tonight?
3: A lot of things nick a <laughs> lot of things the nets rebounded poorly the nets didn't hit their free throws they have joe harris playing well and then that suddenly means that Toy and prince forgets how to play basketball those two can never play well at the same time it, and coach kenny doesn't make any adjustments he doesn't he continues to go with tory and prince at the end rather than carol subvert or wilson chandler doesn't throw rodeo's Kuritz out there to give him a little bit of different energy uh, the Nets scored 46 points in the last half against one of the worst defensive teams of recent memory. Uh, I don't know how much time you got, Mike. i probably keep going.
2: <laughs> no, you nailed it. Especially a couple major points. Especially the way this game started. The Nets came after the first quarter, 36-27. They had to the lead, scoring at ease, and you know they even they even could have probably played better in that first quarter. But still, you felt like okay, they're more talented than Washington. They should be able to take care of business in this game, and they just didn't play hard enough. You know, upon you know Torian Prince having his issues, Kenny having his issues. Washington just made more plays. You know, they were active in transition. They didn't play any defense, but they were active on the boards and made those hustle plays offensively that they needed to make, and the Nets just weren't doing it. The offensive boards really stuck out because that just killed the team because even when they played a great defensive possession, it just felt like they were either going to get an easy two or a three right off of that.
3: 18 to 12 on the offensive boards, Washington's way, and Washington are not a good rebounding team. I think they
2: said 29th to start the broadcast in terms of rebounding.
3: In that regard, the the Nets just did not do a good enough job being able to end the possession. And, you know, I've said it a few times on the podcast before that, you know, it's underrated defensive rebounding, ending possessions and not allowing, you know, boxing out all these little things. And yes, you know, the Wizards are going to chop up a heap of threes and going to, you know, Bradley Beal is going to do his thing. But, you know, I, I just, it's such a frustrating performance, Nick. And I think that, yes, the Kyrie Irving injury late in that game certainly didn't help things. But the Nets were just uh, a haphazard and, and really mis- disjointed team in those final few minutes. So just nothing was really going right. Coach Kenny's Tyre was falling off. <laughs> nothing. It was just a, it was a shit show.
2: Yeah, it really was, especially late in that game. And as soon as Kyrie got injured, you know, was it going to be out of the game? You lost that confidence because he's the closer for this team. Then the interesting thing was, like, Torian Prince wasn't in at that point. You know, Kyrie was in the game. He puts Torian Prince in. And I just felt really bad about that. Like, no disrespect to Torian. He's just having a bad game and he wasn't contributing anything. I just wanted to see somebody else in the lineup right there. And that would have been something from Kenny that's telling me that he's growing instead of just going back to a closing lineup he's used in the past, knowing that, you know, Torian just isn't doesn't have it tonight.
3: He, he didn't. He didn't at all. He made one field goal. One field goal. He didn't rebound the ball well, which I've said of him before that he has done well. He did have a steal and a block. He had a couple of dimes. But he wasn't a good player. He was one of the worst Nets rotation players. Out of the nine Nets rotation players, I would say he was apes best. I thought that, you know, Karras was pretty poor as well, despite the fact that he was, He did hit a three and he was plus four and he had that nice little put-back dunk. I thought Karras de is, you know, continuing to struggle, whereas at least Toyin Prince has had a semblance of somewhat of good games. Uh, over this past little stretch. But, yeah, put in Wilson Chan, Leverodian Skourvitz, you know, Carol Silvert, give him a bit of confidence going forward to show that you're ready to go to him. It, it was dumb from Kenny. It, it's one of the more silly decisions that we've seen of him. And, you know, I think he's going to have to live with that. And a lot of the frustration that he showed should have been redirected towards himself.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing Washington did is they attacked the ball handler. You know, they were doubling Kyrie. They weren't doubling Spence as much, but they were giving him a lot of attention. So having another ball handler out there, a la Karis LeVert, I think would have helped down the stretch. Obviously, wasn't having great games, so there's no guarantee that would have worked. Could have went with Wilson Chandler, wouldn't have minded that. But I mentioned to you earlier in the game, I wanted to see rodeons in the second half because the Nets kind of lacked that energy and I didn't feel like Prince or Chandler was having a great game. You have another forward on the roster. Why not throw him out there? You can change things up. Your rotation does not have to be exactly the same every game.
3: He His rigidity is starting to really grind on me, Nick, in in, in some instances. I mean, yes, there's time where you, you put the faith in your players, but when things aren't going right, doing the thing that hasn't worked the entire evening... The chances of it actually suddenly miraculously working, I don't really know. I don't think it's that high of a probability when you do things that aren't working in the first place. It's just silly at the least and idiotic at worst. And, you know, even Nicholas Claxton could have provided something. I know that that's probably going a bit too deep into the rotation, but Claxton and Kuritz are the energy guys for this team in many ways. And neither of, both of them could have provided at least that and maybe, you know, a, a bit of boxing out and both of them are, are quite good rebounders and Twin Prince wasn't good tonight and Wilson Chandler wasn't that good of a rebounder tonight as well in his 20 minutes. So oh, it's just, it's not necessarily the thing that, that lost the Nets the game, but uh, it did not help.
2: It was probably something that could have changed the game. There was a possibility. There's no guarantee making a lineup change. I wouldn't have even minded to see undersized TLC out there at some points because I think Uh, the Nets lacked a little bit of spark, especially in the second night of a back-to-back. Like some of these guys are older. They miss a lot of time, not necessarily in the best shapes of their lives. Why not use some of these players that you kind of developed over the stretch when everyone was injured? You know, take advantage of that. I think at times it's just, like, so weird with the rotations. Like, it doesn't have to be 9. It doesn't have to be 10. Like, certain games, if you guys don't have it, it can be 11 or 12.
3: We've spoken about before, Nick, about Nick Nurse. I've spoken about it on the outlet. Yep. I've spoken about on Full Access Hoops. I've spoken about on JBT about the fact that he's willing to look silly to do different things that can create a semblance of consistency and winning basketball. Coach Kenny doesn't want to do that. Coach Kenny just seems like, nah, this is what I know. I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't work, I'll live with it. But if it... Leads to losing basketball and a lack of cohesion, then you have to feel the wrath of, of, of the criticism that is warranted. And it is more than warranted tonight. I think a lot of the place, and I'd have to take a brunt of that as well, just not being able to execute. There was, you know, that first quarter, I felt really comfortable first, through the first half. I'm like, all right, then the next will get this going. You know, Spencer's driving really well, he's going to be able to get to the free throw line but when we did get to the free throw line, we just missed and missed and missed. So, you know, that certainly seeps into a mentality that doesn't fill you with a heap of confidence either. You know, Kyrie Irving, like you were sort of saying, at six turnovers, you know, they were blitzing him very heavily and they were trying to get the ball out of his hands and it worked for the most part, but you would much rather have him out there in the closing moments and and Prince. But... Not a, not a lot of positives from the tonight's performance other than maybe Joe Harris getting back to some form, uh, Jared Allen playing well, and Spencer Dinwiddie continuing his good form despite the fact that he was poor from the free-throw line.
2: Yeah, Spence, I think, was a big factor in this game. 26 Spence is nice. You know, he just continues to impress and get back to that all-star level. The three-point shot looks really good. But just getting back to the team real quick before diving to the players, one thing that scared me a little bit in the first half was that Washington was giving the Nets so many wide-open threes. And they were hitting them, and that was great. But in the second half, the Nets started to miss those threes. Instead of, you know, attacking the rim, they continued to settle for the wide-open looks. Knowing that maybe they didn't have it tonight other than a guy like Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie, I think that really hurt the team.
3: Yeah, I think that there was one point where the Nets, Nets missed six straight threes. And, you know, Joe Harris was the one that I think ended that drought. You know, Joe Harris, six of 11 from there. Garrett Temple was flames early, that 14-point first quarter, four of 10 for him and four of 10 for Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Outside of those guys, Kyrie was one of five and and Karras was one of two. Everyone else, you know, Torian and Prince. Prince I, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, there's not much working when you've got, you know, three players doing, you know, the brunt of the work um, when it comes to the perimeter sort of play and, and you know it's not that you know Thomas Bryan Jan Mahemia Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid by any stretch of the imagination and, and I think that maybe there was a mentality in terms of what we sort of talked about Nick the fact that they were hesitant to get to the line because they've been missing them you know J- Jared Allen did not look confident from the free throw line as well at all three of seven from there. Spencer Dimworthy didn't at all either. So from, from that just sort of, I think that that sort of seeps in despite the fact that the Nets uh, predicate their game on, on driving and, and trying to take shots in the perimeter when you're not hitting the threes and you're continuing to do it uh, and then you're not driving and when you do drive you're you know don't have the confidence when you do get to the line. Spencer can argue all he wants, but you know maybe hit the free throws and then you might get some more calls as well. Uh, I, there was just a little bit of frustration, I think. You know, echoed the, the the entire reverberation of the game. That's exactly that's what it summed up things for me.
2: Yeah, no, it really did. And I just think uh, at times it was just like things were working different plays that didn't include threes. I thought they did a nice job using the give-and-go or a couple interior passes in this game where, you know, Washington would be a little over aggressive in terms of double teaming down low. So you'd have somebody wide open. We saw, you know, DeAndre and Jared Allen hit, you know, Spencer or Kyrie around the rim. They got a layup or they got to the free throw line. I just feel like they got away from things and they just kind of settled. And they're just like they don't play like the team we saw last year. And obviously we knew that was going to change going into the season. But so we didn't expect him to play at this level of intensity. We expected him to be a lot higher, or at least somewhere yeah. in between.
3: Yeah, it's it seems to me that they just they lose focus too easily yep. at times, and sometimes they play down to the teams. And you know, Bradley Beal gets a little bit aggressive, and you know, I know a lot of people. What what did you think of his reaction? Do you think it was? You know, I know a lot of people are, are really getting in on him on that Twitter for for smiling at the fact that when Kyrie Irving was down. I'm not sure if it was intentional. I'm sure he might be asked about it post-game. What were your immediate thoughts on that reaction there?
2: You know, I think some of it is on the officials because I think anytime there's a jump ball, you need to whistle that quickly. So there is no type of tussle. I think that's always an issue, like you need to make a call. I kind of thought it was more so a foul than a jump ball because he had his arm really like tucked into Kyrie. But that's for another day. Um, I I don't think it was a dirty play. I don't think it was a clean play. I think it's one of those plays where you're a little bit overly aggressive where you could injure somebody, something that Rodion's typically do us a lot. So I'm not going to say Bradley Beal's a dirty player. At the time, I was a little aggravated with it because I just felt like it was extra. And I didn't necessarily think the smile was like Bradley Beal being an asshole. I just thought it was him. He was like smiling every time he was laying on the floor. He he just has a a little interesting personality, I guess.
3: Yeah, I think he's been on, you know, some of his his vibes have later been a little bit aggressive, a little bit asshole-ishness. And I think that that was reflected a little bit tonight. obviously, you know, not being selected as the All-Star. Spencer Dinwiddie was was complaining about some missed calls from him. He's like, I may not be Bradley Beal, um, and I'm not an All-Star, but you guys got to give me some calls too. He got to the uh, line
2: uh, 15 times.
3: It's, I mean, it was, was a lot. This, it was a lot. It was a lot. And, you know, the the guy, the Spencer Dinwiddie went there seven times. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie... He likes to drive the ball quite a bit too. So for him to only get seven of them, I mean, there has to be some sort of consistency. I know that he did also take a lot of threes, but uh, there was just, uh, it wasn't the refereeing that cost us in the end, Nick. It was, a lot of it was on the coaching. A lot of it was on the lack of execution in, in key areas, especially in that second half. You know, the Nets only have themselves to blame, really.
2: Yeah, they do. And I think there's a point in this game in the second quarter, and we talk about this a lot, and there's always an opportunity for the Nets to not kill a team but make a comeback that much harder. They were up 12 in that second quarter, and I think there's an opportunity to push it to 20 And then maybe the the Wizards don't come back or the comeback just falls a little bit short. But the Nets just allow teams to consistently stay in games. And that's what kills them. Because, you know, there's going to be a quarter where you you might not play well. You're not going to play a perfect game every night, especially in the second night of a back-to-back. But you can put yourself in a great opportunity to win. And I kept telling myself in the fourth quarter, you know, no one's watching the game with me but myself. And I'm saying... Bradley Beal is on the Wizards, and he just is upset about not making the All-Star team. If this is a close game, I just feel like he's probably going to take over and they're going to win the game because it just could happen because he's that type of player, and the Nets didn't capitalize, and what happened?
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Woj has uh, put out a tweet, Nick. Irving will undergo an MRI on his right knee tomorrow at uh, your time per source so hopefully that mri doesn't reveal anything more serious than the sprain that was earlier reported but i guess our uh, time will tell
2: yeah i think a hyper extension is best case scenario you know when that knee kind of overextends yeah. that'd be ideal you know it could be something substantially worse knock on wood that it's not i think regardless Kyrie's going to miss some time and the one player the nets need to step up during the stretch is carol lavert because he's the oh. only guy on this team that can take his game to another level that can provide them not the same output you're going to get from Kyrie, but you're going to get, you know, a fringe all-star type player. We haven't seen that since the first few weeks of the season, you know, since coming back from injury, we haven't seen that guy.
3: Oh, I thought you were going to say Theo Pinson, Nick, but um, <laughs> we probably might see that kid in the rotation. I mean, seriously, I mean, I would automatically throw Rodion's into the rotation. You know, you don't necessarily need to replace a like-for-like when you already do have two point guard-ish players, like you mentioned with Karis Avert. It's Avert. There's an opportunity now, obviously, where there is this negativity. There can be uh, an element of positivity to it when when opportunity presents itself for a guy like Karis Avert who has struggled mightily of late. You know, I've, I've, I, when I put out on Twitter during the game, I'm like, I can't remember the last time Karasavet passed out of one of his drives. I know you were a little bit disappointed with some of his layup packages, you know, to get blocked and denied at the rim by Jan Mahimi quite consistently. And, you know, those big guys down low, Thomas Bryant, it, was, it seems to me that he just doesn't have the poise and the control and the confidence that he once did. But who knows, maybe this little mini stretch, maybe that little... Dunker earlier in the night could give him some confidence and, and maybe some extra minutes you know honestly what i would do is you know give an extra five or ten minutes to um to a carouser maybe give another 15 to, to rodeons and then you you chuck the extra two or three to, to a few other players like spencer dimity uh, get him in the starting lineup and that's what you know happens i guess with this Kyle Irving injury we expect him to be out for some sort of extended period at least
2: yeah and i think like the thing that you don't want to happen is you don't want Spencer to try to do it all by himself like he's had to do in the past, especially during that losing streak we saw, you know, at the end of December, early January. It just puts too much pressure on him. And not that he can't handle it, but I don't think he can handle it on a consistent basis. They really need Lavert to step up and they need one of the other guys to start playing better. And like you said, maybe adding Rodeons to give you a punch. Maybe TLC sitting off the bench can give you a punch. I don't know what it is. But if there were any type of injury that's keeping Kyrie out an extended period of time, and the Nets still do have interest in making the playoffs, I think a trade for a third guard might be needed or a third backup point guard.
3: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that. Uh, John Hollinger, former uh, general manager of the Memphis, who usually stinks, or this is what he says. He says knee sprain, in this case, is usually team shorthand for we don't know until we do the MRI tomorrow hopefully and that's probably that makes a lot of sense in my eyes hopefully 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 it is just some sort of hyperextension like you mentioned Nick and there's maybe it's an MCL rather than an ACL you know obviously that that's the worst case scenario an ACL would have him out I mean I, I'm hoping that I don't wake up tomorrow to, to start my work week with a Kyrie Irving one year long-term injury it'd be pretty horrible.
2: Yeah, it would be pretty bad. I mean, I think uh, someone tweeted out on Nets' Twitter that Net season is cursed. It kind of does feel that way. It's right. like they they sold their soul for Kyrie and KD, and now they're getting the repercussions.
3: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you you, you sell it every day of the week if it gives yeah, you a you chance do. at a championship, Nick. But um, this is what happens, I guess. Basketball gods don't seem to favor us right now.
2: Yeah, and the only other positive that happened tonight is Orlando lost, so the Nets still maintain their half-game lead on them. But still, this is just one of those games the Nets need to win. We've said that way too many times this season where they're an opportunity to win a game against a lesser team and they didn't capitalize on it. And if it comes, you know, in April and they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be on them for losing all these games.
3: Yeah, but there was like end of quarter things where DJ threw the ball yep. away and led to a three. Didn't that happen a couple of times tonight. It was just silly, inconvenient, and inconsistent plays that just lost the Nets the game in a lot of ways in such a short margin but you know on to the next one
2: on to the next one they still have a couple winnable games coming up with or without Kyrie Irving so it'll be interesting to kind of gauge this team moving forward especially when the injury news pops off but Jack any final thoughts
3: just really 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 freaking hope that Kyrie Irving is okay
2: Me too. I mean, you know, not only as a Nets fan, as an NBA fan, and then just for the fact he's already missed so much time. We know how much it means for him to play for the Nets. And he said after scoring 54 points uh, against the Bulls that, you know, he wants to break Nets records and be a part of Nets history. It just sucks if, you know, he continues to get hurt.
3: Yeah, big time.
2: All right. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com,
1: NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.